Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. Welcome to our technical, our new uh, show of a uh, new broadcast, rather. Oh, I'm not doing well tonight. Of Travel Talk Radio, we have a special guest on this evening, Bill Boggs, who has been a mainstay on television for many years. He's interviewed a humongous list of celebrities, and that would, any of them would make a top ten list anywhere. Bill somehow manages to get in. Good evening, Bill. How are you? Well, good evening, Bob. It's nice. Thank you for having Bill Boggs on the show. He appreciates it. Oh, wait. I'm calling oh. myself in the third person. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> well, it's, it's the royalty. But you've had a variety of positions in a very, very distinguished career. What was your favorite enterprise, and why was that? My favorite enterprise? I think the one that I had the most control over um, when I began my career, uh, my, my first television show, I've been a talk show host, a producer, an author, and I have stage shows that I do. Um, I had My first show was called Southern Exposure with Bill Boggs, and it was a, a little show out of an ABC affiliate uh, in High Point, North Carolina, that really took off. We, I produced it myself with a guy named Richard Baker, who would ultimately years later become my business partner with Boggs Baker Productions, and a woman named Buffy Queen. We beat the Today Show, and the general manager, Phil Lombardo, was a really sharp man. He got the show syndicated a little bit in the South. And that show, Southern Exposure, I had complete control over what I was doing. No one was saying, Bill, why do you want to do this? Oh, that's too long. And so that, I would say, my initial work at the Food Network, Bill Boggs Corner Table, I had a great deal of control over what I was doing. All of the things that Boggs Baker Productions did, our syndicated show, Comedy Tonight, which was syndicated for two years on 121 stations, and, of course, the novels that I'm now writing, What's given me the most satisfaction is when I have, the, again, the greatest amount of creative control, Bob. Okay, it's always good when you have control. You did a host of celebrity interviews for PBS. Who are some of the more well-known, and who's your favorite and your possible least favorite? Well, the, the last show I did went off there six, seven years ago. It was called My Generation, and that was keyed off of a self-help book I wrote called Got What It Takes, Successful people who know how they made it to the top. So some of the people on that that series, uh, we had Sarah Ferguson, uh, uh, Car- Carly Simon, uh, Judy Collins, the composer, Charles Strauss. They're the four that come to m- the top uh, the top of my mind. There were a lot of a lot of different ones that, that we did. Um, they were all just good guests. I, I, you know, if if you broaden out the question. To you know, thousands of people I interviewed, not just the ones on that that, that show that ran for about five years on, on PBS. I would say my all-time favorite guest. I had two favorite guests of all time: uh, Frank Sinatra and Philippe Petit, the aerialist who walked on a high wire between the, the World Trade Centers. He was the subject of a movie called Man on Wire. And I think my least favorite was a guy on, that they booked that I didn't want on the show. I ultimately threw off the program, a Holocaust denier. We were doing a show with um, children of Holocaust survivors. These are children whose parents went through the, 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 the camps. And the producer, who was a new guy, trying to, trying to stir things up, 
because I think after four segments, we're going to have blah, blah, blah come out, and he thinks there never was a Holocaust. And I said, why are you doing that? Why? Well, this is going to, you know, people are going to, and I bring the guy on and introduce him, and he opens his mouth and I say, you know, and the other, the children are, who are like adult children are sitting there. I said, wait, you know what? Screw you. Get off. I threw him off the air. <laughs> and ultimately what happened was a, a newspaper reporter for the New York Daily News saw it and wrote a little thing in her column commending me for throwing the guy off the air. The general manager of the station had been away that week. He came back and read about it uh, you know, when he was reading the press clippings, and he fired the, the new producer. Oh, really? You, you mentioned yeah. Sarah Ferguson. I've got a picture, a very nice picture of myself with her uh, right across from my desk over here. She's a very, very nice lady. I think she took a bad rap all around. <clears throat> well, you know, everybody, the royals are living under a microscope, Bob. And so oh, yeah. anything they do, like anytime you're sucking someone's toes in public, um, you know, and <laughs> someone takes a picture, that's going to come back and haunt you. If you did it tomorrow, Bob, I bet you, you know, you'd be up the radio pretty darn soon. <laughs> Unless, of course, the person had their shoes on. If they had their shoes I on, maybe you'd get off. I haven't sucked a toe since I was about three years old when I bent my leg up. <laughs> I don't you think I ever did it. I have no memory. I have no <laughs> my, conscious memory of me mine or anyone else's toe. But you, you got a book out now that's received tremendous praise. It's been called one review called "A Roller Coaster Ride of Suspense Mixed with Wry Observations About Everything from the Kardashians to Reality TV," and it's called Spike Unleashed. And it's a sequel to another book you had about Spike. Uh, Linda yeah. Stassi of the Daily News said, "I thought I'd have to be hospitalized from laughing so hard." What's, what's this book about? You seem to be on both sides of the aisle over there. Well, what do you mean both sides of the aisle, Bob? From, from uh, suspense or what have you to a comedy. Oh, no, well, it's all comedy. The book is called, Okay. it just, it just came out. It's called Spike Unleashed, The Wonder Dog Returns. And it's designed, I began my career in comedy. First three years of my career was managing a comedy team and producing comedy shows and the guys went on to write for legendary people like Mary Tyler Moore and, uh, and Bob Newhart. So I, and I've been into comedy since I was in junior high school. So when the last show, my generation went off the air, I just dedicated, I said, for the rest of my life, if somebody wants me on TV, I'm still available. But I've had 15 different television shows. I've won four Emmys. And now I'm, Bill Boss is going to be a writer of comedy. So Spike Unleashed is designed to make you laugh. The Daily News about the book said, the reviewer said, I thought I'd have to be hospitalized from laughing so hard. Every reviewer has said, I, I, I laughed. I, I was interviewed today by a reporter from Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, who said, Bill, this is the funniest book I've ever read. I just want, I want to make people happy. I want to make people that we have so much problems in our society without question. Bob, we don't have to go into that. So Spike Unleashed, as Wonder Dog Returns, as told the Bill Boggs, it's 18 bucks. Go to Amazon, type in Bill Boggs, B-O-G-G-S book, or type in Spike, S-P-I-K-E, Unleashed, and order the thing and let me know what you think because I did this really i it was a labor of love writing this book and what and when the writers and the, excuse me when the 
the actor's strike is over. We're going to get back in the process of the book and being sold as a, a cartoon series for Netflix or one of the adult cartoons. This is adult material. This is R-rated, politically incorrect, sometimes raunchy satire. Spike Unleashed. If you want, if you like politically incorrect humor, right, you're going to love the book. All right, is it in the bookstores? Yeah, of course it's in bookstores. But I don't, since I don't know who's listening where, I like to say go to Amazon and order it. Well, I'm going to tell my listeners over here, if you can avoid Amazon and go buy it in a bookstore, do that, because the bookstore makes some money, but Bill will get a bigger royalty from a bookstore Amazon. No, my problem is the bookstores, I went in Barnes & Noble, they, they, they only ordered three books, right? So the three books were sold, and now they're waiting a couple of weeks to get a couple more back. So uh-huh. you know, by the time, is the person going to go back to the store? I don't know. So that, I'm just giving you the simplest way to order it. If you, t- if you oh, go I think to your I'm computer, <laughs> if you type in orderspike.com, it will come right up how to get it. All right, I think I beat you by one. My latest book, which is a history book, is in Barnes & Noble, and they had four Good copies of it. Good for you. They were That's hidden the sales and what's took the it title? on what's a top the, shelf. <laughs> Anyhow, tell me some more about, about Spike. Is, is Spike a real dog, uh, a figment of your imagination? How did you come up with oh, this? Uh, I did have a dog named Spike who was on my first television show. And the, it, it followed, basically... It's about a dog and a guy. The guy is a talk show host like me. It's about a dog and a guy who become very big TV stars. So it's set, a lot of it is set in the world of show business. But by having, since you're a writer, the dog is narrating the book, meaning that like the great book, The Art of Racing in the Rain or uh, The Call of the Wild, as you're reading the book, the dog is telling you the story. So the dog, Somehow, Spike, the dog, is an outsider looking at our world, looking at the human world, and he's offering the trenchant views of an outsider. So something happens with me that I'm able to write with this filtering through the voice of the dog. I I really can't go any further in explaining the process, but as soon as I sat down, wow, I'm writing in the first person. I was writing people who have known me all my life said you've never written in this style, and it really works for me. The device of having the dog comment on things, uh, more than comment, tell the story, leads me down all kinds of comedic comedic scenarios, but there's a lot of action in the book. It's a heavily plotted book with some crazy characters, loads of crazy characters. It's gotten good reviews from people in the business, like Mike Reese, the, um, the, the writer, producer, and the original, one of the original creators of The Simpsons said Bill has written an amazingly funny book and so hip. Brian Cox from Succession, Bill Boggs' book is an absolute delight in such a brilliantly acerbic comic manner. Uh, a, lot, a lot, Joe Piscopo, fellow radio guy, said Boggs' book, a witty, timely, satirical gem and a fun read. And I think that's because people like reading about show business. It's not all about show business. It's set in New York, Palm Beach, and East Hampton, three different lo- locales. Okay, it sounds like it's Carolina. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 
Hey, everybody out there, then head over to Amazon and get the book. Bill, what was that uh, uh, link again for it? Uh, orderspike.com. Orderspike.com. That's the best link. All right, you got it? Orderspikes.com. Yeah. Bill, you've done a lot of, uh, uh, let's see, you have a book about successful people and how they made it to the top. Did you pick up any secrets from them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I picked up, in writing that book, which is called Got What It Takes. I've written four books in all in my career. One came out in 1980, one came out in 2007, one came out in 20, and that was Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog. And now Spike Unleashed came out just recently, a couple of weeks ago. One of the things I learned in interviewing successful people for that book, what I did was I used my skills as a TV talk show host to interview people like Diane von Furstenberg, Richard Branson, uh, Joe Torrey, to, to mention just a few, right? There are 44 people in the book about the internal qualities that made them successful. And one of the things that I picked up right away was the value of failure. How if you're afraid of failure, you're going to be afraid of taking risks. And only through taking risks can we grow. I mean, I sit down to write the Spike book, yeah, it's a big risk. Am I going to find a publisher? Yes, right? Uh, is it going to get good reviews? Yes, right? I could have not found the publisher. I could have gotten terrible reviews. But you have to put yourself out there and not be afraid of failing. And I have always been willing to put – if I thought that I could deliver the goods, I would take the risk and see what happened. I've sung professionally. I've acted in, I've acted in plays. I put together six stage shows. Now, people say, How? whoa, wait, I covered both. I was on the Food Network for eight years with Bill Boggs' Corner Table. At the same time, I was covering boxing for Showtime. People would say, Bill, how can you do that? How can you cover boxing and be on the Food Network? I said, well, Joe, I happen to know a lot about boxing and a lot about restaurants. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So break it. breaking the mold is important, breaking the mold, not being pigeonholed. I'm going to agree with you on, on one very important thing, Bill, that if you, if you don't fail, you're never going to succeed. I, have, I could have wallpapered my, my office with rejection slips trying to sell my book. I've got a novel out, a history book. Yeah. I've got one coming out in, in a couple of months out of true crime about the age of the Treasury agent who brought Al Capone down, helped solve the Lindbergh case, and another book Ooh, on uh, the Yankees' red. You know, but if I had stopped when I started getting – Rejection slips, I, we wouldn't even be talking today. And you're absolutely it's, right. You know, folks, yeah, you what Bill to, says, don't quit. But faith in yourself. That's another thing from the book, Got What It Takes. You really have to believe yep. in yourself. Believe in yourself and whatever God-given talent that you have, and then use that talent. And apply you're yourself right. every day. Correct. Apply yourself every day. All right. We're going to have to break in just a moment. If I can find the switch over here. Here we go. For a commercial to pay some bills. Bill, we'll be right back with uh, Bill Boggs. Oh, thank you, Bob. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Golf Tournament Quiet Sign Holder Upper. Mr. Golf Tournament Quiet Sign Holder Upper. Boldly, you patrol the line between order and anarchy, armed with only your wits, your resolve, 
and your tiny cardboard sign stapled to a stick. Actually, I glued it on. You protect professional golfers from what they fear most. Idle chit-chat 200 yards away. Stop breathing so loud now. Because you know there's one thing this spectator sport could really do without. Spectators. Get them so crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh salt another shush. We'll keep singing your praises as long as you keep telling us to shut up. Mr. Bud Light Beer at Isaac Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. Genghis Khan. Back in the day, one of the first things we'd do when we rolled into town was confiscate the best livestock and order up a feast prepared to our exacting specification. At Genghis Grill, you get to do much the same. Choose from 80 delicious fresh ingredients to build your own bowl, like this tangy citrus beef, and watch as our grill masters cook it to order. I've eaten children bigger than you. Genghis Grill. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? And this? And what about this? Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Welcome back to Travel Talk Radio, folks. We're on the line with Bill Boggs, a well-known television, uh, radio, uh, author, personality, uh, all-around guy. Welcome back, Bill. Hey, nice to be with you, Bob. Thanks again for having me. My pleasure. I was looking at a list of the people you've interviewed. You had Renee Zellweger, who's a very famous actress, Richard Branson, who owns half of the world, uh, multi-Grammy oh. Award winner Clive Davis, uh, Joe right. Torrey, who everybody knows from baseball, but I see one over here, some a small-time politician, a guy named uh, Donald Trump. Tell me about your interview oh, yeah. with him. Well, uh, everybody asked me about that. This interview was done in 2006, uh, 10 years before I ran for president. <clears throat> and all of the interviews, essentially, I did all the people you mentioned, I did in person. But uh, Trump, whom I've known, uh, he's not a, wasn't a friend, but you know, I've been in New York since the 70s, and I met him the first year I was in New York. I met Donald Trump the first, uh, at a party at Regine's Disco, the same night I met Geraldo Rivera. Uh, anyway, uh, he's the only one who, who didn't wanted to save time and just answer the questions uh, by email. So I didn't – he answered the questions, but it wasn't a real interview. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I see that one of the people you know or interviewed is uh, Renee Zellweger, and right. she has optioned or helped to option one of your books, Talk Show Confidential, for a screenplay. No, Tell us no. about that. She, that going? She, she, she optioned my first novel, which is called At First Sight, and she optioned my stage show, which ran for off and on for six years at the Triad Theater in New York, called Talk Show Confidential, to try to develop a screenplay about a talk show host, like loosely based on me, but it didn't happen. But Renee saw the uh, t- talk show confidential with the Triad Theater and loved it. And then she said, you should make a movie. She was my neighbor. So I knew her. 
you, you should write a screenplay. This would be a great movie. I said, Renee, it's really not what I do. I, you know, I, I don't write screenplays, and, and I didn't feel confident that I could, could do that. And I said, wait, wait a second, but if you like that, have, read this. I had no, nothing in mind. I thought, okay, she liked my stage show. She's going to like my novel, which is sort of based on my life, a romantic comedy novel. And she loved it, and she optioned it, but uh, nothing happened. But I always say, Renee Zellweger, I got to know her pretty well. She lived next to me at uh, 240 Central Park South, where I lived for a long time. And I always said, if I had had it, I have a son, but if I had had a daughter, I would like her to be like Renee. Renee is a wonderful woman. Oh, that's quite a, uh, a nice thing to say. All right, let's, let's well, go here. Broadcasting yeah. is, is a truly killer profession. It's left a lot of people in the dust in its wake. You worked your way up from a small market uh, station, uh, landed on major outlets in New York. How, how did you do it? That must have been very hard. Give us an idea of how you, how you worked your way to the top. Well, I, I already told you the first part of the story. Uh, I was managing a comedy team. I had an opportunity to be associate producer of a talk show in Philadelphia. I always wanted to be a talk show since I was a little kid. So I started working on this talk show. The comedy team went to California, Amicable Party. And after two years, I really learned the ropes of producing talk shows. I was on once a week. It was in Philadelphia, my hometown. But I thought, this is not enough exposure. I mean, it's not enough practice. So I made a New Year's resolution to go anywhere in America to get my own talk show. And within three months, I auditioned and got a, got a show in High Point, North Carolina, Southern Exposure, I called it, with Bill Boggs, which I mentioned before. Now, once I had my hands on the steering wheel, I knew what I was doing. And together with people I mentioned before, we created a very successful show. It was fun. It wasn't hard. We had control. We beat the Today Show for three. We doubled, our, we doubled the rating of the Today Show for three years. That, it was a local show that really worked. And as a result of that success, I had an offer to go to Miami, San Francisco, or New York. The big markets, and I chose New York. And then out of New York, doing Midday Live with Bill Boggs, then I also did Saturday Morning Live. I did a, a special for NBC. I did a game show. It's just all out of New York while I was doing Midday Live with Bill Boggs. I did a game show for CBS for a couple of seasons, and then formed a production company produced Comedy Tonight, a national show, and then later got on the Food Network. So I just used, once I came to New York, I used it as a base to grow. But it wasn't hard. It, it was not difficult because I had faith in my talent. And somebody said there's a show in, the key was somebody said there's a show in North Carolina high, that's looking for a host. They had this weather report on in the morning. It wasn't getting any ratings. So I got in touch with them, and they, 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 they auditioned me. I flew down at my own expense and did a one-hour interview, and they liked it, and they hired me. So the hardest part was making that connection. Once I had the connection, I ran with it. Okay, so you, you basically you made your, your own way up. You, um, oh, you mentioned Midday Live. You succeeded Lee Leonard for that show. Lee was a very well-known person. Was that a, a, an easy or difficult transition? In what way do you mean that? Oh, transitioning, taking over for Lee Leonard. Uh, he was he was very no, well known I, I, in the I, area. I never, I didn't know Lee Leonard. 
I came up and auditioned for Channel 5. Uh, he, Lee Leonard had been off the show for, for months, and they were filling in with various guest hosts. Like one week they had Arthur Godfrey, another week they had Vivian, uh, Vivian uh, Blaine, all kinds of people. And I auditioned for that. So, no, it was, there was no imprint of, of Lee Leonard. It wasn't like I, he left one day and I was there the next. Okay. Um, let's see. Who was it? Uh, Gene Rayburn. Uh, you, you worked with him and took over for Gene Rayburn on Saturday Morning Live? Yes. Is Saturday that correct? Morning Live was a very, very good show. It was a two-hour live show Saturday morning. I think it was on between 8 and 10. And uh, Gene started hosting it, and I think it ended up being too much for him. He went back to California, and they asked me to, they asked me to do it. I was already doing Midday Live five days a week. So then I started doing Saturday Morning Live. So all told, if you multiply five times 90, that was midday, and then add two hours, I was on that many hours of live television uh, every week for, for quite a while. What was your favorite show that you did? Oh, I think my favorite show, that's a good question. I, I, you know, my, my, first, my first show, Southern Exposure, was my favorite show because it just was so successful. It was right out of the starting blocks. It was so much fun. I was working with great people. And then I also liked creating a Bill Box Corner Table for, for the Food Network. Because I was on the Food Network from the, the first day it was on the air. And after about a year and a half, they wanted something that wasn't just cooking shows. And I came up with the idea that, get this, Bob, Here, this is like a scam. I came up with the following idea. We sit down with big-name celebrities in their favorite restaurants, eat for free, be on television, <laughs> and I get paid for it. They actually paid me for having lunch with Sophia Loren. Uh, but that was Bill Mark's Corner Table was very successful. Now, a lot of the stuff we're mentioning here, like that show with Sophia Loren, is on my YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel, Bob. It's called Bill Boggs, B-O-G-G-S TV. It's on YouTube. 500 clips on there. Stuff like Sean Connery, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Roy, Bill Shatner, Carly Simon, Sarah Ferguson, Sophia Loren, Yul Brenner, uh, Jerry Lewis, a lot of big names and, and also some just general samples of what talk shows were like in, in the 70s and 80s, which they they're no longer like that, as you know. Yeah, you're running off a bunch of names that I, I met when I was interviewing as a daily newspaper reporter. I thought Sophia was very, very elegant, but also very, very personable and pleasant. Let's see, you yeah, also need to, to, to switch gears for a moment. Uh, we're, we're coming close to the end of time, so I want to get this sure. in. You work uh, Showtime, uh, historic traveler. Uh, tell us about you know, some of the traveling you did and Showtime. And, you know, what did that entail? What did you do there? Well, that, yeah, and by the way, if you'd like me to come back and talk about travel, I'd love that. I, I love Why travel. don't we do that? We'll do that on another show in a couple of weeks. Yeah, historic traveler was a show that was, was based on a vacation you could take that would trace the course of history. Uh, there, and, some, and these are all on Bill Box TV. Like, you know, we did one about the invasion of Normandy. We did one about Churchill's war room. 
we did one, The Roots of Rock and Roll, where we took Highway 61 all through Mississippi, and the show ends at Graceland and went to Sun Studios. Um, We did one about the gold rush in California. So that was a great concept, taking a vacation that follows the course of history. Then another series I did for the Travel Channel was called Freeze Frame, and that was based on adventure photography and going on a vacation where you want to take specific kind of pictures. And we did a couple specials for the Travel Channel. But I've got, I've got a trip coming up next year uh, where I'm going to the U.K. I'm going to see the man I've known for a long time, Brian Cox, in Long Day's Journey and Tonight. Uh, and then I'm going over to Paris for five, six nights. And I'm going to go to a couple of little jazz clubs in Paris. Like, not tourist places. And then I'm flying to Istanbul uh, for Peter Sankati, my dear friend, a songwriter, composer, a great performer for his wedding in Istanbul. And I'd love to come back on the show and just talk about that entire trip. UK. Absolutely. Taking the channel. We've got just a minute. Yeah, that's nice. uh, got, I'm sorry, but yeah, we've got just another minute to go, so I, I just want to wrap up. Our guest this evening yeah, has been Bill Boggs, who is a true Renaissance man with all that he's done on radio, television, newspapers, and what have you. And we will have Bill back in a couple of weeks uh, on Travel Talk Radio. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Bob Nessoff. Please tune in again next week. Have a great night, everybody. Bill, thanks for coming on, and be well. You're welcome, Bob. Thank you.